But in this case, advancement of religion has quite clearly met the advancement of extremism, which is harmful to the public, certainly not a public benefit. You're listening to episode 59 of the National Secular Society podcast produced by Emma Park. Over the last couple of years, I've spoken to guests on this podcast on a range of issues relating to secularism. One theme which has come up again and again is the archaic nature of Britain's legal system. From education to marriage, parliament to death, the laws and secondary legislation that regulate so many aspects of our lives seem in many cases to be not merely conservative, but hopelessly out of date. And strangely enough, religious interests seem nearly always to be on the side of regression rather than reform. This episode considers another example of this phenomenon, which relates to charities law. The Charities Act 2011 set out to consolidate the law on charities, including the purposes which could count if an organisation was applying for charitable status. Among the charitable purposes, which are listed in Section 3, Subsection 1, is the advancement of religion. Indeed, of over 12 purposes listed, it is the third, falling only below the prevention or relief of poverty and the advancement of education. In guidance issued by the Charity Commission in 2008, amended in 2011 and currently under review, it is stated that it is not enough that an organisation does something in the name of religion in order for it to be a charity advancing religion. It has to be shown that the aim of the organisation is to advance the religion in a way that is for the public benefit and not to further some other non-charitable aim. But where in practice do the Charity Commission and the courts draw the line? In February 2019, the NSS released a report entitled For the Public Benefit, the Case for Removing Advancement of Religion as a Charitable Purpose. This report argued that it was time to stop treating the advancement of religion as an inherent good. Over the two and a half years since the report was released, the NSS has brought to light a number of new cases of organisations which have registered as charities solely on the basis of the advancement of religion, even though their public benefit has been, at best, highly questionable. With me to discuss this topic today is Megan Manson, Head of Policy and Research at the National Secular Society. Megan, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you very much, Emma. How did the advancement of religion come to be a charitable purpose in law? Well, this dates back to Elizabethan times, so we're going back a long way here. Um, it was part of the um, Elizabethan 1601 Statute of Charitable Uses, and in the preamble of that statute, it refers to the repair of churches uh, alongside bridges, ports and highways. So that's where the origin of religion as a charitable purpose comes from, is that really it was only there to maintain churches. So pretty narrow. So it develops from there and it sort of turned into um, supporting organisations that um, advanced the established church, so the Church of England. Um, you couldn't really have an organisation... Um, considered a charity if it um, supported non-conformist religious purposes because they were identified as superstitious uses, which were illegal. Gradually, you know, as, as, as things have sort of developed, charity law has become less sectarian and it has um, widened to um, basically become uh, the advancement of religion. It was eventually sort of defined in law as a charitable purpose in 1891 as one of the three heads of charity. Uh, the others were the relief of poverty and the advancement of education. So that's where it comes from originally. So the most recent Charities Act we've had, I believe, is the 2011 Charities Act. Now, you at the NSS released a report about um, the current state of, of, of this provision of the advancement of religion in February 2019. Could you just briefly summarise what the main findings of the report were? 
Well, first, I absolutely want to stress that we are not against religious charities. What we are saying here is that the advancement of religion in its own, in its own sake as a um, as a public benefit needs to be challenged. So there are many um, charities that have a religious ethos that are doing really good work. Um, and there are many that sort of have a historical religious ethos as well. Um, but these charities, um, I can't think of a single case where this isn't true, is that every charity with a religious ethos that is providing a genuine public benefit could probably register under a different head of charity. So they could register, for example, under the Relief of Poverty. There's many religious charities which are helping poor people in distress. But on the flip side, there are many religious charities that aren't doing that, that all they are doing is advancing um, religious ideology. And it's a case of we've, we've, we don't think necessarily that this is in the wider public benefit. And the other issue is, is this advancement of religion means that religious and non-religious charities are not treated equally. So um, if you're advancing a non-religious worldview that you think is in the public benefit, you can't register um, under a similar purpose to the advancement of religion. There's nothing for you there. So it's giving a favourable status to religious uh, organisations. And it's also treating um, charities of different religions differently as well, because we get into that question of what is a religion? And if the charity commission thinks that you don't look much like a religion because it look, you look a bit different to some of the more traditional religions, then they might reject you um, as a charity in the first place. So, so not only does it cause inequality between religious and non-religious charities, it's causing inequality between organisations of different religions too. So, so take humanism, for example. Has that ever been recognised as able to be for the advancement of religion and to fall under that head? No, no, not in uh, not in England and Wales, no. Um, so uh, charity law, I think, is, is, is fairly um, clear that it's, it's favourable to religion. The common law has um, refused to accept belief systems that are adverse to the very foundations of all religion. So you could interpret that as being, you know, atheism cannot be, is, is adverse to the foundation of religion. So that, you know, an atheist organization can't be a charity, for example. Um, and in uh, a, a 1962 ruling, uh, a judge ruled that um, between different religions, the law stands neutral, but it assumes that any religion is at least likely to be better than none. So again, um, the law is very much favouring the idea that having a religion is a, is a good thing. So is that is that still a current law that um, any religion is better than none? Um, well, certainly in terms of charity law, um, you could argue that it is because it's giving privilege to organisations that advance religion on the assumption that somehow having a religion is a good thing. You know, it does, there's no there's nothing for advancing atheism because charity law doesn't recognise that as being a good thing. Now, you talked about, you know, obviously a religion can be described as a religious ideology, perhaps, in, in many cases. I mean, where do you draw the line, say, between a religious ideology and a political ideology? Well, that's really difficult. Um, and sometimes there really isn't a clear line there because um, many religious ideologies incorporate political ideas. And there, there are indeed some religious charities that do want to advance um, politicised forms of religion. Do you have any specific examples there? We do know of one Hindu charity in particular that um, is has been advancing uh, the Hindutva ideology. Um, so that's the that's sometimes called Hindu nationalism, and um, is 
basically advancing the idea that that India is a, is inherently a Hindu state, um, and and it should be by Hindus for Hindus, which goes against uh, much of um, India's history and its own constitution, which basically says that Hindu that, that India is a, a secular state where um, people of all religions and none should be treated equally. Uh, now, just to be clear, the National Secular Society is, is not a charity, is it? And and just to, to clarify, why is that? Well, charities can't be established for, um, for political purposes. And, you know, the separation of uh, church and state, the disestablishment of the Church of England, which is you know, fundamental to the National Secular Society, is a political purpose. And uh, we certainly don't want to hide this. So, you know, well, I don't think under charity law it will be appropriate necessarily for us to register as a charity. Sure. But, but, but your point is is just that um, while, while religious charities may, you know, do many good things, in virtue of being religious, they shouldn't just be able to register as charities on that basis alone. No. And in fact, our um, report sort of found examples of this. We found plenty of examples of quite benign um, religious charities that, you know, we're, we're not sort of harming anyone, but we're not necessarily advancing a, a general public good. So um, organisations that just exist to print pamphlets or distribute Bibles, um, it's hard to see how that is in the wider public benefit. Do you have any specific examples? Not Doing nothing particularly bad, but just nothing particularly beneficial to the public? Um, so. Uh, I suppose one example would be the British and Foreign Bible Society, and that does exist just to distribute the Bible. I mean, that's that's fine if you if you if you like the Bible, but you know, would we have similar charity set up for the advancement of any other book that wasn't religious? Now, just talking about um, the idea of of charities having a public benefit, the reason why they get um, special status is because it is thought that in exchange for their special status in law, they provide public benefits. What are the privileges which um, anyone's organisation would get as a result of being a charity? Well, um, I think the main benefits are financial. And so charities are mostly exempt from income tax, corporation tax, capital gains tax and stamp duty. Uh, They pay no more than 20% of normal uh, business rates on buildings. Um, On top of that, some charities can claim um, additional 25% of donations from gift aid. And, you know, one of the big benefits is that the public is more likely to donate to registered charities um, because sort of having that charitable status and that registered charity number is kind of a mark of approval. It it makes an organisation seem more trustworthy if it's registered with the Charity Commission. Absolutely. So it's, it's, you know, partly about image as well as about um, financial benefits. Absolutely. So, I mean, basically, are charities, in effect, partly propped up by the taxpayer? Um, I think so, yes. Yeah, I think that there's certainly an argument for that. And of course, that really needs us to call into question the fundamental idea of separation of religion and state when the state is giving these very favourable tax relief to religious organisations on the basis that they are religious and not on the basis that they're doing a good job elsewhere. It's just on the basis that they're religious. Yeah, and it's got to be religious, not just any old worldview. So it's it's privileg- privileging some worldviews over other worldviews. Absolutely.
Okay, well, let's look now um, at some of the more egregious charities that have come to the NSS's attention between February 2019, when you wrote the report, and now. First of all, do you have the statistics on the number of charities in the UK which have no other charitable purpose apart from the advancement of religion? Well, we found in 2018 there were over 12,000. That number will have grown a little bit since then. Uh, And that's just the organisations that only had religious activities and nothing else uh, listed as their charitable objects. But there will be other ones as well that do have other objects listed that possibly aren't really fulfilling them in a way. It's it's debatable whether they are fulfilling them. And some of the times you can register as well under other charitable purposes. So you can have religious activities and other so I think that number is, is a conservative estimate. And there will be some that are registered with just religious activities that are actually doing other things as well. So it is quite difficult to get an accurate picture of exactly um, which religious charities are doing other things that, you know, a, a non-religious person would consider a you know, public good and those that aren't. So um, yeah, it, it, it is quite difficult. You just have to look at what the charity is actually doing um, rather than looking at what it's submitted to the Charity Commission as its objects. So how, how, is, how have you and the NSS gone about this research? So the, the project that we did in 2019 and the report was sort of a deep dive looking into charity law. Um, it was sort of our first real look into some of these charities. And then since then, um, every month, we've been taking a look at what new religious charities register with the commission. And sometimes this has turned up um, some charities that we think could be promoting um, a public harm um, in some of the things they've been saying. So let's look specifically at charities that um, have come to your attention that might be promoting public harm. Um, Could you give us some examples of, of some of the worst? Well, um, just looking at earlier this month, um, we discovered a charity uh, called uh, Mithdal Jana Academy, which was hosting um, extremist lectures on its website. And so the preacher, um, Mohammed Patel, who was giving these lectures, was saying that Muslims had a duty to fund jihadists. And when we're saying jihadists here, um, it was quite clear from this lecture, they were talking about violent jihadists. They were saying that if a a Muslim country wants to go to war, then Muslims should provide money to jihadists so they can buy machine guns. Uh, They they actually said that quite explicitly. Um, And uh, this preacher was also putting out very anti-Semitic messages. He was talking about the dirty qualities of Jews. And What's very concerning as well is that this preacher has also been hosted by Walthamstow Central Mosque, which is um, also a charity. Um, it's it's um, funded by the the Masjid e Umar Trust, and so and it could be this this preacher has been uh, speaking at other charities as well. You know, we don't really know that how far this preacher's gone, but. Yeah, it's very worrying that um, a charity like Niftahul Jana could be you know, a registered charity with the commission and be hosting things like this. I mean, it just shows that, yes, absolutely, this charity is advancing religion. There's no question. This was a, a lecture about um, what's in the Quran, about this preacher's interpretation of the Quran. But in this case, advancement of religion has quite clearly meant the advancement of extremism, which is harmful to the public, certainly not a public benefit. Many, I think, religious people's response to that is is often, you know, well, 
that's not real religion. Real religion is is peaceful or real religion is good. But doesn't um, a case like this rather show that actually religion is a matter of interpretation? Absolutely, absolutely. And and the and that's that's part of the problem is that religion it can be good or bad. <laughs> Charity system doesn't really um, accommodate that issue. It basically says, well, if you're a religion, you must be for the public benefit. I mean, it, technically. There is no longer an assumption that religious charities provide a public benefit. But in our research, it showed that in practice, the bar for whether something is considered a public benefit is incredibly low for religions. The Charity Commission have made it quite clear in the, and um, politicians have made it quite clear when religions, religious organisations have expressed concerns about the duty to fulfil a public benefit. They've said, don't worry, it's not going to be an onerous duty. That's one thing that um, Ed Miliband said when discussing this particular change to charity law. On, on Ed Miliband's um, reassurance to religion, I mean, do you think this is part of, of you know, the general theme, which I think the NSS has often come back to, that there is this deference to religion in many aspects of public life in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's all part of it. So the bar equally, the bar is low for becoming a religious charity because once once it's established that you are some sort of religion, um, that's enough effectively for you to be considered to have a public benefit. Yes, yeah, that's what our research has has shown is that there is absolutely favourable treatment of religion here. Mm. Um, so you've given one example of um, a problematic religious charity. Do you do you have some more? Well, if we're just looking at sort of what we found. This year, there was a, a Christian charity uh, which registered this year. Um, it's called the Holiness Revival Movement Worldwide Europe, or Hormel Europe. And um, its website was blaming rape on how women dress and saying that women who wear trousers are wearing the uniform of a harlot. So this is... Um, right. <laughs> So this is a charity openly promoting, you know, really bad misogyny and uh, victim blaming when it comes to rape. Um, and this is obviously quite a topical issue. And we found a charity that registered this year. Um, the Charity Commission clearly didn't look at this charity's website. I don't think the Charity Commission does um, vet charities that are, are registering with it. And I can see why, because there's so many. The Charity Commission just doesn't have the, the capacity to do that. But because it's advancing Christianity, that's what the charity is set up for, it just gets waved through. And then there was another one, I think, that registered um, late last year, um, and we sort of found out about it in January. Um, it's an Isla Islamic charity. The Gummidi Centre of Islamic Communication um, had a lecture on its website saying that being gay is a disease that needs to be cured, and it was comparing... Um, um, having a, a same-sex attraction to um, having homicidal tendencies and saying, well, we don't, we don't let people kill people if they want to, so we therefore shouldn't let people who uh, are attracted to members of the same sex be gay or lesbian and live their life. So that was a, another one. This is at the time when we're discussing um, um, outlawing gay conversion therapy and a, a charity registered promoting the, the fundamental ideas that, that underpin gay conversion therapy, the idea that being gay is an aberration and a disease that needs to be cured. Does the Charity Commission have any powers to shut down or otherwise restrain these types of charities? Not really. Um, it does. When we, have, we, we do complain to the Charity Commission about these charities, and when we do, it is the case that the, the material that we've pointed out disappears from the website, usually. 
But I worry that that really doesn't solve the underlying problem. I mean, like, you don't know what these churches or mosques or other religions are preaching to their followers out off the website, for example. It doesn't tackle the underlying issue. All it does is take away the evidence, really. I mean, so the, the, there's several reasons why the Charity Commission can't really act. Um, firstly, it doesn't have the, the capacity. It, there, there are far too many charities for it to be able to tackle and too many of these issues, to be honest. Um, so, you know, I, I have sympathy with the Charity Commission here. And secondly, charity law makes it really difficult for the Charity Commission to act as well. Its hands are, are tied on this. One really uh, prominent example I can think of is a charity called Core Issues Trust, which is registered with the Charity Commission Northern Ireland. And that charity um, promotes what it calls change-orientated therapy. Um, and we would call it gay conversion therapy. It's promoting sort of psychological techniques for people who they say want to be rid of same-sex attraction because they want to live um, according to traditional Christian values. That's how it advertises itself. It doesn't like the term conversion therapy. You only use the term change-orientated therapy. And we went to the Northern Ireland Charity Commission and said, you know, this, this charity surely is not providing a public benefit. It's doing something that is universally almost regarded as harmful by reputable psychologists. It's promoting something that the UK government is, is planning on outlawing. So surely it shouldn't be a registered charity. And the commission came back to us and said, well, what it's doing isn't illegal at the moment. and the charity itself says that what it's doing is in the public benefit, so we can't do anything about it. So there are no sort of objective criteria for public benefit? Not really, no. <laughs> not really. There is a stipulation that charities must not cause harm or that the public benefit must outweigh any harm it's causing. But from this example of Core Issues Trust, it's very hard to see exactly what does count as harm and what does count as public benefit because when you have a charity that is promoting something that is almost universally regarded as harmful. I think most mainstream religious organisations have even said, you know, conversion therapy is wrong um, and, and is harmful. Um, you'd have thought that that would be enough for the Charity Commission to go, OK, society no longer considers conversion therapy to be acceptable. Therefore, it's not serving a public benefit and you cannot be a charity and promote this. But no, it seems that the Northern Ireland Charity Commission is powerless here. Mm. Is there any public appetite for the abolition of the advancement of religion as a charitable purpose, or is the NSS really on its own here at the moment? Um, it is really quite a niche issue at the moment. Um, I think people just aren't aware of this um, this privilege in charity law. Certainly I wasn't um, before I started working for the NSS. It's something I, I hadn't even considered. I didn't realise that the advancement of religion in and of itself was a charitable purpose. You know, I think like most people, we hear the word charity and we automatically assume that it is something that's providing a public benefit, that that, that you can recognise. So, you know, helping the poor, helping people who are ill or disabled, things like that. So I, I was completely unaware that just by virtue of being a religious organisation, you could be a charity. And, you know, I think most people are unaware of this. And I mean, there seems to also be this very strange dichotomy on the one hand, the law will not, or charity commission doesn't seem to judge whether, you know, 
what what the religion advances is is good or bad in and of itself and once it's past the religion bar but it sort of seems to be slightly arbitrary in the way it decides whether something is a religion or not in the first place Yes, I think so. Um, so as I said, the definition of religion has sort of um, developed over time and it has broadened. But it's still the case that the charity commission does seem fairly arbitrary on, on what it considers a religion. And um, sometimes it does go down to if it is something that the charity commission is not sure about, it becomes a, a sort of a battle where if the charity is wealthy enough, it can sort of push and charitable status just by taking legal action. Do you have any examples of this? Yes, so probably the most um, prominent example is the Plymouth Brethren. Now, they certainly are a religion. There's no question about that. They are a fundamentalist Christian sect um, that are quite insular. They do practice quite a few things that people would find objectionable, for example, um, shunning members who leave So I think that's one reason why the Charity Commission was quite hesitant to um, start registering um, Plymouth Brethren organisations as charities. But uh, the reason why it it, it said you can't be a charity fundamentally was because, well, you don't evangelise enough. That's that's the reason they gave us. This this charity is a little bit too insular, so it's not really advancing religion because it's not publicising it. So... Essentially, the Plymouth Brethren said, said, OK, we'll amend it so we do a bit more evangelising. And the Charity Commission said, OK, you're fine now. You can, you can, you can be a charity. Uh, you can be registered with us. And they're quite misogynistic in the Plymouth Brethren, I think, aren't they? Their views. Yeah, I believe so. There's, there's a, a lot to, there's, there's an awful lot to object to with the Plymouth Brethren. But, and, and so it was, again, it was not really a question of, of their views, perhaps, so much as a technicality of whether or not they evangelised. Exactly, exactly. And there's, there's been other examples as well. Um, there was the Pagan Federation um, applied for charitable status under the Advancement of Religion, and the Charity Commission were not satisfied that um, paganism, in terms of what the, the Pagan Federation defined it as, counted as a religion. So uh, they were told no. Well, why not? I mean, why did they think that paganism, was it not the lack of belief in a deity? Um, no, it was the it was the fact that it was a, it was too vague. They said, "Well, it gives." And I think, if I remember, that the exact wording was something like, "It it, it gives followers too much freedom to interpret paganism." <laughs> I, I know, which you know, that that's something that is 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 quite um, central to paganism is that it is it's it's fairly free in terms of what how people uh, interpret it. And the charity commission didn't like this. Um, what what about Buddhism? So Buddhism, I think, because it, it's regarded as a world religion, um, it doesn't really it has Buddhist charities don't really have any difficulties. Um, so the the current definition of religion, um, as the charity as charity law sees it, includes religion that doesn't have a deity. So because whether or not Buddhism has a deity is is ambiguous, it, it, it's fine because it, it fits some of the other definitions of religion according to charity law. So Buddhism doesn't really have a problem anymore. Mm. Even though you might say it's just it's, it's not that much less big than paganism, perhaps. Yes, but because it's it's basically the case. Well, one I think is is um, also it, it's quite a mainstream religion, and the other one isn't. Yeah. So again, it's it's inconsistent. The law is inconsistent. And it's it's interesting what you say about the, the this idea that advancement of religion is is a sort of niche issue. And when researching this topic, um, I think both I and and you were only able to find one 
legal academic who opposes this provision, who would like to say it abolished, and that's Professor Peter Edge at Oxford Brooks. But it doesn't seem that um, even among legal academics, there's any support for the idea that this provision needs to be removed. Why do you think that might be? Well, some academics have argued that there's a net benefit. Um, I saw one academic argue that um, being a member of religion means you're more likely to give to charity, though, you know, the fact that charity includes relig- religious organisations um, is, you know, almost makes us a tautology because it's a case of, well, they're going to donate to their own charity. But as we've explored, it's a problem when you have religions that do advance um, ideologies that these days a lot of people reject. That's that's so yeah. It doesn't seem uh, right in principle to um, say that religion is an, a net benefit on society for that reason. Looking at other secular democracies, at least sort of within the Anglophone world, that that are based ultimately on on the English common law, does religion still have a special status in all of them? Uh, yes, I can't think of any liberal democracies that don't give some form of of tax exemption to religion. Uh, it'll, it'll vary slightly from place to place. But um, countries that have charity law that's quite similar to ours have this advancement of religion um, as one of the charitable heads, probably because they've duplicated a lot of it from our own charity law. So you're talking Australia, Canada, New Zealand, that sort of thing. Yes, that's right. Um, but this is being questioned. It, it's been increasingly questioned in many of these countries. So in the uh, 2017, um, there was a bill heard in the Victorian Parliament in Australia to amend the Charities Act to exclude the advancement of religion. One of the uh, uphouse MPs said that uh, the notion that the advancement of religion is charitable purpose would be questioned by most people in our community these days, which I think is absolutely true. I think this, the idea that uh, religion is a, a net public benefit really is questioned now, you know, with, with lots of people leaving religion. I mean, the, the, in the UK, it's only about 50% of people who have a religion now. Um, and of course, people question um, the benefits of religion when they can see how much harm it causes as well, with, uh, with homophobia, misogyny, uh, sectarianism. Extremism. Yeah. And in Canada as well, it's this, this idea that um, religious organisations should have uh, tax-exempt status. Um, is being questioned, particularly in the wake of the the recent revelations about the the mass abuse of um, Indigenous children at Catholic residential schools. Um, I've seen more than one article in the Canadian press calling for the tax-exempt status of religious organisations to be questioned or or abolished, um, particularly for the Catholic Church, you know, which is a big deal. You know, the Catholic Church is one of the most, the largest and most powerful religious organisations in the world. So, you know, if you can question its charitable status, then, you know, we should be questioning the charitable status of all religions. So, I mean, just as a final question, is there any hope then that um, we we might be moving in the UK towards the eventual abolition of the advancement of religion as a special charitable purpose? And it is difficult because it is, as I said, it's, it is quite an, an issue where really we need to build more awareness. I think that's the number one thing is building awareness of this issue. Um, you know, uh, emphasising the fact that it's not religion really that we have a problem with. It's the problem of the unfairness that a a religious organisation can um, register as a charity solely on that basis, that it is religious and nothing more. And uh, the the increasing number of stories that we see about religious charities, which are causing harm. 
So it's one where we are hoping to build some momentum on this to make sure that only religious charities that do provide a public benefit, and there are many that do, only those ones can benefit from the tax breaks and the other perks of being a charity. We've recently raised this with the Law Commission. The Law Commission have been asking for views on what areas of law it should be looking into. And we've raised it with the Law Commission and said, you know, this is one area of law where things are really out of date and, you know, they no longer meet the needs of the 21st century UK. So we just hope that the Law Commission take a look at that and also realise that we have a point here. Megan Manson, thank you very much. Thank you. This episode was produced by the National Secular Society, all rights reserved. The views expressed by contributors do not necessarily represent those of the NSS. You can access the show notes and subscriber information for this and all our episodes at secularism.org.uk forward slash podcast. For feedback, comments and suggestions, please email podcast at secularism.org.uk. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a positive review wherever you can. Thanks for listening and I hope you can join us next time.